Hi, baby. No. Hey, sugar plum. No. Hey, honey bunches of oats. No. Talk to me, honey bear. No. Don't be a player or hater, baby. Give me your sweet loving, baby. No. Mm. No. So you think that you're the kind of girl who can take the woman as her out of the man And you think that you're the kind of girl who knows how to take a bow and shake him to his toes And you think that you're the kind of girl who sees right through me as I'm thinking you're the bee's knees Don't you know that you're the kind of girl who thinks about sunshine standing near the kitchen sink Player love, player You're the kind of girl who lies to herself as I drink you in with my eyes. Do you believe I'm the kind of boy who can drop the other birds and be a one bird man? I think that you're the kind of girl who lives with delusions. But you know that I'm the kind of boy who lives with delusions too. Play your
listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, brand new, from Trike, from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and their song, Player Love, from the brand new LP... On Cheap Satanism Records, Trike and the Vikings. That was Trike with Player Love. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, two interviews with Crispin Hellion Glover. The first one dates back to 1995. My first interview ever with Crispin Glover. A few years ago on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, Crispin Glover phoned into the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. We took callers, and you had a great time speaking to him. In fact, you, the listeners, demanded that I go down to the Crispin Hellion Glover gig and do another interview. So that's what you're going to hear, because you never heard it on the air. So, first, an interview from 1995 that did air on CITR Radio in 1995 on an Human Serviette Radio show. And then a brand newish interview with Crispin Hellion Glover. On Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. But wait a sec. Let's kick off Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show with a second song, Thor's Thunder on the Tundra. Last week when I interviewed Kerry Mercer of the band Frog Eyes, he mentioned having a dream about Canadian heavy metal legend Thor. And I referenced the song Thunder on the Tundra. And I've been thinking about that song all week. So here it is for you on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Thor, Thunder on the Tundra, live in Detroit. And then two interviews with Crispin Glover.
Crankle, this, this young lady over here, this well-endowed young lady, is having the biggest bristles in rock. May I introduce to you, on back of Bogle's Pantera! And of course, on drums, Mike Favada! Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> Who am I? I don't know. I'm. Uh... <laughs> well, my name is Crispin Glover. Crispin Hellion Glover. Crispin Hellion Glover is my whole name. Yes. <laughs> when I think of your name lately, I've been—I don't know why—but I've been thinking of OJ's bloody glove. You know, glove, <laughs> Glover. Have you been thinking that at all? I, that hadn't actually crossed my mind, but it's—it's uh, it's an interesting uh, thing to think about. And then also Michael Jackson's famous glove, because you're kind of from, you know, you started acting around 1883, you know, the big Jackson thriller thing. <laughs> I actually started uh, acting about 1977. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. In commercials and stuff, right? Yes, that's right. What type of commercials might have people caught you in in the early days, Crispin Glover? Well, Because uh, I just had a big thing on TV, like the greatest commercials of all time. Were you in any of those? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I didn't actually do that many of them. But uh, I did a, um, a McDonald's commercial and a commercial for Bayer Aspirin. And um, did they last long? Like, what McDonald's one was it? Was it was it that people no, running down a mountain? They weren't. They weren't very famous ones, unfortunately. I never made a lot of money on on commercials. The most, the the the, the biggest one that I had was the Bayer Aspirin commercial, and that was not a very famous one by any means. Have you ever met Michael Jackson or had any run-ins with him at all? No. Have you ever met the guys from Red Cross? Uh, Jeff and Steve McDonald. I don't think so. Because I always think of them when I think of you. When I think of you, I think of them. But so forth, the Red Cross huh. guys. Because huh. they once saw Michael Jackson get in a limo. But that's what I was wondering, Crispin. Are you successful? <laughs> well, it all depends on what what uh, one one would be successful at. I suppose. No, but do you feel happy with yourself? Like, are you successful with the way your career is going? Well, you know, it, it all it all like I say, it all depends on what 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 I would consider to be successful. I mean, I'm I I have not had a lot of films out lately, but I've had a lot of visibility, and uh, it would be a good thing for me to have happen definitely right now. What was your break? I mean, obviously you got to go in that McDonald's commercial, everybody's dream <laughs> to get in the McDonald's commercial. Was there a break, or what what made you get into films? What what was the big thing? There must have been something. Well, uh, um, it, it, I've never really felt that I've had a, a, a particular break. I mean, it's always been kind of a, uh, just certain things have, have come along. Certainly the most uh, visible thing that I've uh, ever done was the Back to the Future uh, film. And um, uh, but but it's like I'd been working for quite a few years before I did that as well. Were you frustrated that that would never come? Um, that uh, I would not work. Yeah. Well, I think I think when I was around eighteen, I I questioned what, how I would start acting in film, which is stuff that I wanted to do. Um, do you I, have a degree at all? No. Because you're no. coming up to Vancouver. This is Crispin Glover. You're coming up to Vancouver on Saturday night for a big slideshow. Um, I've heard you talk before. Well, through friends, I've heard uh, bootleg recordings <laughs> and stuff. No, just joking. But um, you seem to talk very intellectual. <laughs> like, you, do you, have, you don't have no degree to help, you know, spew out those words at all? <laughs> well, 
No, I, I went to a small private school for about nine years uh, in Los Angeles, and it was a very, a very good school. And um, uh, I, then I went, went to a public school for a few, a few years after that in high school. And um, I, I found that education was not quite as, um, not quite as, um, good basically it just uh, it, it was quite lacking so I, I feel like I had a very good uh, 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 beginning education when you broke into the movie scene well like you said in like 1977 you started acting but you know around 1983 your filmography seems to start up at least in the stuff we've been faxed here right. who were your contemporaries around that time who are the people that acted with you the people that your age and what are they up to now <laughs> well uh uh <laughs> You know, like those at Hollywood Brat Pack, Rat Pack, etc. What are your contemporaries up to? And, you know, how have your careers paralleled with them? <laughs> I, I, um, I, you know, I, I, it's funny because I've, I've never really... I, I've never really felt um, that I've gotten into... It's hard for me. I mean, you, I can consider certain people contemporary by my my age, by by being the exact same. That's age. what I mean. Like you showed up in an edition, for instance. Like you were in that movie, High School USA, weren't you? Yeah. Like Todd Bridges was in there, <laughs> I know. and Nan Nancy McEwen or whatever her name was. Like you know how? Like those are kind of contemporaries of yours. How's your you know career parallel those? Because I would say you've done pretty well compared to them. Well, I mean, you. The thing is, is you can always compare yourself to somebody, and you you. Can, you can make yourself feel kind of terrible or great by doing so, but I, I think it's better to just kind of, you know, figure out what, what it is that you're wanting to try to do and not, not, uh, not necessarily try to compare oneself to a... Uh, uh, well, come on, who were your friends back then? I mean, are they still your friends now? I mean, how have their careers differed? I'm just curious, because like you said, you had, you know, a big break, I guess, as the Back to the Future movie. What other actors, you know, have had continual breaks that started around the same time as you? That's what I was just curious about. Well, like I say, you see, you're kind of, you're kind of gauging it from a different point of view than I am. Um, it's... I, 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 I was kind of working... I've been working for such a long time that my contemporaries have changed every few years or so. If you, if you mean contemporaries by by the idea of that they're people that are working at the same time as I am, or if you mean by people... On the same the, set, like you showed up for the McDonald's shoot or whatever for the commercial, <laughs> and there was a guy there, and now he's gone on to something else. Because I would argue, Crispin, because um, the promoter of the gig here, Nettie, said that, you know, you're kind of having a hard time, and you know, I haven't had that many big movies lately, but I would say you were ultra-successful. You're doing this great compared to those other people. Well, I... I, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, um, I, I, I don't really... I don't really like think of it like that exactly okay what can people expect from crispin hellion glover's big slideshow um well it's uh, i take old books from the 1800s and uh, uh rework them uh and these are slides of the of of the books and uh, I, I narrate them as the the the, uh, the slides go. This is kind of like a Woody Allen thing, where he buys like a foreign movie and redubs it. No, um, no, because the books are are, are definitely my own my own uh, uh, doing. Some of them do use original words from the original books, but um, some of them, are, are quite a few of them, in fact, most of them. 
uh, are, are really just kind of written by myself. And a lot of them are based in like the 1800s, aren't they? They have that 1800s kind of theme to them. You're kind of totally into that? Yeah, well, uh, they're, they're, uh, most of the books are taken from the 1800s uh, because, I, yeah, I do like that time, but also... Um, for publishing, it it works out well. Uh, they're they're in copy. They're not in copyright infringement because of the time period. Have you ever heard of a band from San Francisco called the Carolina Rainbow at all? No, because they're totally obsessed by the eighteen hundreds too, or that kind of era. They have oh. neat kind of like hand designed record album covers. Oh, a friend of mine actually saw your um, performance in Olympia. Oh, you did a slide performance. Is that going to be the same thing that's going to be happening yes. here? Yes, that's right. He kind of commented that some of the audience. And how do you perceive this? That some of the audience was laughing like at you rather than with you I, I i don't i don't feel like that i feel that the um the laughs in the show uh, i've done the show quite a few times now and they stay pretty consistent as to where they are and they're generally with um they're they're about the same things they're, they're, it's pretty evident that they are laughing at the things that are within the um, within the context of the books. So you've never like jumped in the audience and started to punch somebody out because they got you mad or something. No, no. The audiences have always been really quite receptive. It's always been uh, uh, everybody seems to have enjoyed it quite a bit. Are you going to show your film Reuben and Ed at all? Um, no, not on this uh, show, no. I was just wondering if you could give listeners a, just a brief plot synopsis of Ruben and Ab, since a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's such an amazing film. Please, Mr. Glover? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, First uh, it has Howard Hessman, so it's got to be great from WKRP, right? <laughs> well, I... Uh, <laughs> Ruben and Ed is a, a story about uh, of two fellows that go out into the desert to um, try to bury a dead cat. Did you use an actual dead cat? No. No, we didn't. <laughs> we did not do that. Um, but you do have an eyeball specimen collection, don't you? Um, like you are fascinated by things kind of dead or innate. Well... Well, uh, th there's two different questions there. I uh, I don't have an actually have an eyeball collection. That's that's something that kind of got into to press. That that isn't true. I guess I shouldn't have been reading Spin magazine from 1987. <laughs> um, uh, but I I do have an old um, optometrist's uh, piece from the 1800s. That was a, a medical piece, which um, which has. Uh, uh, wax portions of the face that include the eye and that has various diseases of the eye. And uh, I, I do tend toward liking um, uh, medical, old medical books and such that, that contain various uh, pathological um, interests. Are you into like crime scene photography at all from the 1920s? There was a book recently published called Evidence that has well, some neat pictures of crime scenes. Well, I, I, um, it, it's funny. I, I, uh, I've always tended toward liking pathology more than, than crime scenes. I, 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 something about the, uh, the, the nature of, uh, <clears throat> of the, the actual, uh, growth of, of uh, the disease that, that comes from the, the animal uh, that is ensuing <laughs> upon the, uh, uh, the other animal, or, or if there's some kind of malformation that naturally occurs from the genetic makeup. I, I find more of a beauty in that than necessarily the, um, uh, the actions of outside forces. 
but but I I I I I've, I I find both of them interesting. So Chris, Crispin, Helly, and Glover. Why were Ruben and Ed Republicans? <laughs> well, I uh, I didn't actually write it, so I I couldn't I couldn't tell you for certain. I guess I have my own reasons, but I could never say. Did you actually drink from your boot in the movie Ruben and Ed? Um, no. And uh, why hasn't the Orkley Kid been released? Um, there's, uh, there's some stuff that would have to be done with uh, um, music uh, rights. What projects are you working on right now, Crispin Hellion Glover, who is coming to Vancouver? You are coming to Vancouver on Saturday night to the New York Theater, aren't you? <laughs> to do, to, to, oh, yes. First time to Vancouver, BC, Canada? Yes. Never been to Vancouver, BC, Canada. You got yes. to go to the New York Theater, like the York, get it? Like the New York Theater. That's where we are Saturday night. This is Crispin Hellion Glover. And what projects, like, slash movies are you working on right now? Well, the, the last uh, f- uh, film that I was in is uh, a film that uh, Jim Jarmusch has directed called uh, Dead Man. And is that scheduled for release? What's that about? Is that exciting? Do you ha- are you happy with it? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it yet, uh, and I'm, I'm not quite sure when it's supposed to be released. Did you ever meet Andy Warhol yourself? I, I did. Um, didn't Beck, you know that singer Beck, didn't he hang out with Andy Warhol, or didn't his mom hang out with what, Andy Warhol? I don't know. When did you meet Warhol? Uh, I met him at uh, Madonna and Sean Penn's wedding. Um, and was that the first time you'd actually encountered him? Had you ever seen him around before? Were you yeah. in, intrigued by the Warhol mystique? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the the first and only time I ever saw him. You just recently directed, according to your credits here, Crispin Hellion Glover, Captain's Log, <laughs> a documentary short on pornographic Star Trek fantasies. <laughs> uh, a fanzine, actually. Oh, was a fa- oh, explain Captain's Log. <laughs> Well, it's it's uh, actually it's something I should I probably shouldn't fax that thing out because unfortunately it was something that uh, uh, was not uh, releasable because of uh, uh, legal uh, problems. But uh, <laughs> it is something that I made. I'm, I'm excited about something I'm supposed to direct in in about a, a month, a short uh, film uh, that uh, is all with Down syndrome people. I'm excited about that. Um, did you ever consider hiring Eric Estrada or Aldo Ray to like perhaps participate in something like Captain's Log because they've been dabbling in soft porn for years? <laughs> no, this isn't. It isn't soft porn. It's uh, well, I guess it is. It's it is soft porn. The, it's because uh, Eric Estrada drawings though they're not they're not uh, films. Because a lot of those actors are kind of you know they're down and out and they're looking for some you know cash and you could have probably got you know the chips guy to do something. <laughs> I mean, gosh, he's doing bad religion videos. He could at least do something with you. <laughs> well, this particular thing was a, uh, a documentary on, on people that actually do this. Um, have you ever seen anything by director Andy Sidaris at all? No. He does like movies like Hard Ticket to Hawaii or Seven. Hmm, I don't know that. Um, have you ever been approached, Crispin, Helly, and Glover, to do a porno film? <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't. But according to your 1989 Restless LP, you are a masturbator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Explain that, please, Crispin, Helly, and Glover. <laughs> well, I think I think the song is is self-evident. <laughs> Where is Nancy Sinatra today? Um, I I don't know. <laughs> Is she still alive? Because you covered these boots are made for walking. Right. I, I don't know. Have you had any run-ins with old-school Hollywood mafioso types at all? Um, 
old school Hollywood uh, mafia. <laughs> you know, like big kind of Sinatra-ish, you know, old no. school mafiosa types. No, I haven't. Are you the 1990s version of Mort Saul? <laughs> I don't think so. What happened to Mort Saul? I don't know. Is he still alive? I don't Do you know. care about him at all, Crispin Hellion Glover? <laughs> well, I, no, he, he did political humor in the 70s, didn't he? I'm not that familiar with Mort Saul. I think he got banned by Ed Sullivan or something like that. Oh. But I'm not going to get any closer to the Sullivan illusions, I promise. Are you into <laughs> Dolomite? Have you heard of Dolomite? Yeah, I, I, I like Dolomite. So are you the 1990s version of Dolomite, Crispin <laughs> Hellion Glover? Uh, well, I, I, I don't think so, but, but you, never, you never really know. I never, I never really think of myself as being versions of people. And if you want to see what Crispin Hellion Glover is, go and check out the New York <laughs> Theater on Saturday night for Crispin Hellion Glover's big slideshow. Now, is hanging around Uma Thurman giving you any good Timothy Leary stories? <laughs> I, um... I know that uh, he is her, her godfather. <laughs> okay, but I'm um, hanging around Uma Thurman giving you any good Timothy Leary stories, Crispin Hellion Glover. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's got a Timothy Leary story, don't not, they? Not really. No, I, I don't have any good Timothy Leary stories. I've seen him around a lot in various places, but... Uh, uh, no particular uh, stories. <laughs> you did act in the movie Teachers, though, right? Yes. And that featured Royal Dano. Yeah, that's right. He's an amazing character, isn't he? Well, I, you know, I, I, I remember him, and he was a, a very nice fellow, kind of a quiet fellow. And I, uh, the, but I don't know his career that well. I know he had done something that... The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, and he'd been in, like, he played Abe Lincoln, he'd been in, like, in 75 right. films and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he'd worked a lot, and uh, yet I wasn't that familiar with his work. So you didn't hang out with him at all? No, no, he was kind of quiet, and I think I, I, his wife was there. That was a long time ago. Ever he was like in, a nice fellow. Ever run into James Kahn's son? No. He's always in, like, the tabloids with, like, two girls around his arms and stuff like that. Seems like a real jerk, James Kahn's son. <laughs> Not that you would hang around jerks, Crispin, Halley, and Glover, but you're coming to Vancouver to hang out with Vancouver on Saturday night at the New York Theater. And guess who's from Vancouver? Who? Guess who's from Vancouver? Your old acting buddy. Who? Your old acting buddy, Crispin, Halley, and Glover, Michael... Oh, that's right. He is from... He, I, did, I knew he was from Canada. I didn't know he was from uh, Vancouver in particular. Actually, but. Burnaby, I think, specifically. But Michael J. Fox is your old acting buddy, Crispin Haley and Glover. Can you tell Vancouver anything about him? Come on, tell him. <laughs> tell the real... What is the real Michael J. Fox, you Crispin Haley and Glover? I, it's funny. I, I worked with him several times, but I never really... I never really had a much of a conversation or anything with him. I, I don't I don't know him very well. You know, no little intimate little kind of little teasers of you know Vancouver deserves to know about Michael <laughs> J. Fox. You can you know tell us. I, I I I would, but I really there really isn't. I just I don't know that fellow very well. I uh, I it just uh, I worked with him, but I. I never really got to know him at all. Now, didn't you appear on Family Ties? Yeah. What I was did. your part? You're playing like a college guy who was worried his family would find out that he was out for dinner? <laughs> I, I recall. I think so, yes. What sort of TV and sitcom, sitcoms have you done, Crispin Hellion Glover? Well, I did one when I was 16, a pilot, which was very, very bad. And um, uh, that, was, that was the first, like, kind of... Uh, like television thing that I had done, and then uh, well, other than commercials, and then I did a few different uh, of those um, 
like three camera shows. I, I never really enjoyed it very much. And then I did one one uh, a television movie, um, a kind of a comedy movie. I, I never really enjoyed doing television very much. You never did a white shadow or anything like that? No, no, I didn't. I The only drama I recall that I did was um, Blue... What was it? Uh, I'm, I can't remember the name of it now. Blue... It was it was one of those police shows, and I can't remember. New what York it, City Blue or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called though. I, and it was one of the things, one of the performances of myself that I've never seen. I kind of rec- would like to see that one actually. So people should search out Family Ties. Are you on, on TV infrequently, like in the syndication? Do you ever flip it on and see yourself doing a part from an old TV? No, I've never had that happen. You did work though with Mrs. Brady. Yeah, that was, my, that was my very first uh, job when I was uh, 14. I was, uh, well, my fir- first, uh, actually, I did I had done one commercial, and then I did The Sound of Music when I was 14 at the with, with Florence Henderson playing Maria. No, please, like Greg Brady, you did not get it on with Mrs. <laughs> Brady, <laughs> no, did you? No, but he did come to the show, I remember. What, they all hang out together? Well, he he definitely came. And saw the show and came backstage. I recall that. So Mrs. Brady is a contemporary of yours. <laughs> I, I, I guess you could say so. I've always been fascinated by that guy Oliver. You know that guy Oliver? Yeah, the no, I do. I always, I, 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 I always kind of thought Oliver was interesting too. Because like he's only twenty nine now. Really? Twenty nine or thirty? Huh. And how old are you, Crispin Haley and Glover? Thirty. Thirty. So you could have been Oliver on the Brady Bunch. I know. Instead, you met up a few years later with Florence <laughs> Henderson. That's right. Um, did having your number printed. In in Spin Magazine bring you many Canadian friends? Well, uh, um, I, I have noticed that, that people do call from Canada and have always called from Canada for some particular reason. That actually wasn't my home telephone number. That was a, a number which I used for um, promoting the books. So why did you tell Spin your number? Was it just kind of like a neat promotional toy? It, exactly. It was, a, it was something to promote the books. Can you tell the listeners your new phone number at all, Crispin, <laughs> Haley, and Glover? No, I don't give that one out. There's no information number you can give out? Um, yeah, they can call... Uh they can call that same number. Uh, 213-464-5053? Yeah. That's or they the... can call 310-391-4154. Again, Crispin, Haley, and Glover, please tell the listeners of CITR Radio, and you're coming to Vancouver this Saturday night to New York Theatre, the <laughs> special phone numbers that they can ta- contact you through. 310-391-4154. Or... Uh, 213-464-5053. Did you ever answer the phone when those phone when the phone rang there? Was it basically just answering machine? It was an answering machine. So you never answered it once? No. But people did kind of scale and try to find your apartment yeah. when, you're, when you gave out your address of your apartment. I didn't give out my address, but people did find out where I lived. Um, describe your apartment, Crispin, Helly, and Glover. Oh, well, that, uh, it, was, it was a neat apartment up at the top of a, a, a building, uh, and it was uh, painted all uh, as I liked it, uh, in various uh, colors, dark and, and bright. Black walls? <laughs> there were black walls, and there were it- gold walls, and... All different colors. And a gynecological <laughs> exam table? Well, it was a medical chair. I still have the medical chair. Um, I'm not sure if it was a gynecological chair. 
but it was a medical uh, stainless steel medical table. Uh, you know, I, I hate to, to do this. I'm enjoying this interview, but I, I have an appointment. I have to be out at 10:30. Okay, Crispin Hillian Drefford. Well, we just have two quick more questions okay. here. Um, do, do you live in that apartment? You don't live in that apartment now, but is your apartment black at all? Is it all black walls still? I, I bought a house, and uh, I'm I I've been slow to uh, redecorate. Um, I am planning to start doing some more painting of that nature, though. I think I, I just have, I'm being a bit more careful about, about this one. It's, a, it's a, ho- a house, and I want to make it uh, perfect. And do you have a coffin filled with tar, too? No, I have, um, I have a lot of art objects that were made to look as though they were tar. And what do you think is so great about Kelbo's potato salad? <laughs> I, I, you know, Kelbo's closed down a couple of years ago. I was disappointed to, uh, that that it did. It's I, an amazing club in L.A., isn't it? Well, it's. It, I, I was going there when I was 16. I was always uh, afraid that it would become a club, and then it kind of did, and I stopped going. I liked it when it um, when it used to play old music from the 40s, and old people would go and dance. And I, I but unfortunately, the whole place is closed now. Just recently. Yeah, just within the last year. And finally, um, who did you play in Wild at Heart? Um, I played the cousin of uh, Laura Dern. And what's David Lynch up to now? You recently did a movie with him? Um, or you did a movie with him, Hotel Room? Oh, I did Hotel Room with him. I've, I've worked with him a couple of times. I'm excited about something that... Um, He's uh, well. I, I don't want to say too much about it, but there's something that he's agreed to to, to do uh, for me that I'm very excited about. So he's still happening and doing films. Yeah, I think he's being. Uh, uh, I think he's working on various projects. I'm not sure exactly what they are, though. And Crispin Hellion Glover, your dad is not Danny Glover, is it? No. <laughs> but what does your dad do? My father is an actor. And um, what was was he in all those cool psychotronic '60s movies? Um, he did a more uh, 70s films. He was in Diamonds Are Forever in Chinatown. Um, uh, but I, 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 I'm, I'm truly enjoying this interview, but I, I unfortunately really do have to go. Okay, well, thanks for much, Crispin Helen okay. Glover. And um, check out Crispin Helen Glover this Saturday night at the New York Theater. <laughs> and Crispin, do do loot do Crispin, do 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 loot do Crispin Hellion Glover, do 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 do. I don't know what you're doing. You just gotta add. Don't you get it? Do 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 do. Crispin, do 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 do. You want me to go do do? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Rock on. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, I hope people come out this Saturday night, New York Theater. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yes. 
I'm Crispin Hellion Glover, uh, and I'm uh, presenting my my films. Uh, what is it? And everything is fine. Uh, I'm continuing to tour with them, and people can find out where I'll be with what film on CrispinGlover.com. What is it has been described as a feature that features actors afflicted with Down syndrome, naked chicks, swastikas, and a buttload of dead snails. Well, <laughs> I I wouldn't describe it that way, but I uh, it, it it depends on how people. W- want to uh, uh, think about it. You know, you, there's words that can be used that make it uh, more, uh, what's the, the right way of saying it? Is there a tagline for it? Like, every movie, you know, has a tagline. Is it Natural Born Killers meets On Golden Pond? No, no the tagline is this. Uh, being the adventures of a young man whose principal interests are snails, salt, a pipe, and how to get home, as tormented by an hubristic, racist inner psyche. So that's that, that's the tagline. The fact of the, really what the film is about is uh, it's it's my 
um, reaction to uh, the corporate restraints that have happened within the last 30 years of uh, uh, corporately funded and distributed uh, film, where in anything that can possibly make an audience member uh, uncomfortable in any way whatsoever is necessarily excised, uh, or that film will not be corporately funded or distributed. And I think it's a very negative thing because it's when an audience member sits back in their chair, looks up at the screen and thinks to themselves, is this right what I'm watching? Is this wrong what I'm watching? Should I be here? Should the filmmaker have done this? What is it? And that's that's the title of the film. What is it that's uh, taboo in the culture? What does it mean when the taboo is corporate is uh, ubiquitously excised? And I, I think it's a very negative thing because when people are asking these questions, uh, they're having a genuinely... And to excise that is to make a, a culture that does not have an educational experience in its most important form of communication. I think that has been happening. Crispin Hellion Glover, what's the history of Down syndrome and film? <laughs> well, I, I, I wish I was more of a, an historian on this kind of thing, but one thing I should point out very specifically is that what is it is not a film about Down syndrome at all. I'm, I'm very careful to, to, to denote, denote that. The people... Uh, uh, m many of the characters in the film are played by actors that have Down syndrome, but they're not necessarily playing characters that have Down syndrome, uh, and that and that's that's quite a distinction. There, uh, from a, there are corporately funded films or, or various television shows or media that have actors with Down syndrome that are supposedly playing characters that are playing characters that supposedly have Down syndrome, uh, but this film isn't pur purporting to be doing that. Uh, and I, I, I make a very clear distinction about this. And that's also why I, you know, I'm not like a, uh, uh, somebody that has enough knowledge to really speak on something like the history of Down syndrome in cinema, uh, although I, I don't think there is a a huge amount of it, but somebody might take on that subject. There might be more of it than one one knows. Crispin, Helen, Glover. What about the history of naked chicks in cinema? <laughs> well, that that I'm I'm sure there's been a lot a lot of that, uh, and there are some there are some well I, I <laughs> there are some, there are naked women or nude women. I would probably use that vocabulary, but there's there are nude women in both. What is it? And everything is fine. Uh, and there's 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 graphic sexuality in in both of the films. Uh, and they serve different purposes in both of the films. Uh, Everything is Fine was written by Stephen C. Stewart, who's in part one, What Is It? I had put Stephen C. Stewart into What Is It? Because years before, he had written a screenplay. Uh, Stephen C. Stewart was born with a severe case of cerebral palsy, uh, which is a non-degenerative uh, disease. And he, um, he'd been locked into a nursing home when he was uh, in his early 20s when his mother died. And he was very difficult to understand. And the people that were taking care of him would derisively call him an, an MR, a mental retard, which is not a nice thing to say to anybody, but Steve was of normal intelligence and the emotional turmoil he must have gone through during these 10 years, I, I can't even begin to, to imagine. But when he got out, he did write this screenplay that was he wrote it in the the style of uh, like a, a, a U.S. 1970s uh, television movie of the week, a murder mystery movie of the week, wherein he plays the bad guy, and because he wrote it in this genre style, there are certain accuracies that come out in in the story that are autobiographical that 
just seem that become so clear as to what some of this perhaps turmoil that that he he went through and certain psychological truths that are just uh, uh fascinating and i'm uh i'm i'm really proud of this film when the whole when the whole trilogy is done uh really everything is fine will be the best film of the trilogy but not only that it'll probably be the best film i'll have anything to do with in my whole career i'm i'm very very passionate about it and i i i don't i don't mean to be dismissing what is it because what is it uh is a very different kind of film uh than everything is fine and i'm extremely proud of it but it it has it, everything is fine has an emotional catharsis with the Stephen C. Stewart character that I hold in a very high uh, plane, a very high value. Whereas, uh, uh, what is it has a certain removedness, uh, intellectual removedness that works for that particular film, and they're they're effective in in different ways. And you have no real timeline for this, do you, Crispin Hale and Glover? Like you just hit the road, you do it. You're doing it the old-fashioned way. Yes, this is vaudeville. It, it, it's uh, uh, I. Do I perform a live show before uh, the film, which consists of eight different books. Uh, here's some of the, the books. Uh, one of them is Rat Catching, uh, which is a study in the art of rat catching, plus something extra. As you can see, it's a heavily illustrated book. And when I first started publishing these in 1989, uh, people said to me, oh, you have to have a, uh, you have to have a, a, a book reading. But I, I, here's another book, um, Oakmott. But I, I couldn't have a book reading uh, because if I, if I did just read the books, the illustrations serve as a part of uh, the story, and it would just, it, it would be. It would be confusing, uh, so I always knew I had to have a visual component. So I have eight different books in what I call Crispin Hellion Glover's big slideshow, and uh, it's up on the screen, full-size movie screen. And then I have a dramatic narration that lasts an hour that I perform before uh, I show the film. Then I show the film either What Is It, which is 72 minutes long, or the sequel It Is Fine, Everything Is Fine, which is 74 minutes long. And then after that, I have a question and answer period, which lasts between 45 minutes an hour. And then after that, I have a, a book signing, which goes on until everybody that wants to have books signed or what have you uh, has that. So it's 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 a long evening, but I, it's worth it. it, it because the films... Theoretically, I, I, there were people, there were small uh, companies that were interested in distributing for me, but I have far more wherewithal to go around and, and little by little do these kind of interviews, which are helpful. You know, something like this, I assume, probably will be posted on the Internet and people see it. And if, if you can post the link to crispinglover.com, that's very helpful because that lets people know when I'm going to be where with, with what film, especially if they sign up, it can email them. And Because I'm going to be doing this for many years. This is not a traditional way of, of releasing a movie where it all comes out at once and then it's over and then goes out on DVD. I'll be, I'll be touring around with these films for a long time to come. But you first came here in 1995 and you started touring well before that. Well, well, that was the, it's true. Uh, I started performing the slideshow in 1993. Uh, but I, I never really advertised the slideshow so much. I would just, I would go and do it. I, I, at a, a short time period in the mid late nineties, I was showing a rough cut of what is it. Then I, I stopped and 
I didn't perform the slideshow for a number of years, and now I, I exclusively do it when I'm touring with, with the two films. So, so I started touring with What Is It in 2005. This is uh, 2008, so it's been three years that I've been touring with What Is It. And uh, then I'll, uh, I started touring with Everything is Fine in 2007. But I, I'm, I've been touring less with, two th with uh, Everything is Fine because I'm still going to the cities that I've not gone to, like Vancouver. I had not shown until this just this time here at the Pacific Cinematheque, uh, I had not sh shown what is it here at all. Uh, Crispin, he back. Crispin, Haley, and Glover, your books, though. I mean, you didn't write all of the books. Some of them are adapted, aren't you? What can you say about the books? Because they're very interesting, the books. What can you tell the people about the books? I love the way you've kind of adapted them. Well, well, it's it's yeah, that's not quite accurate. Here, here's a good example. Concrete Inspection is... Uh, adaption isn't quite the right word. You can see there's a preface here where it says careful, inspections, uh, careful inspection is a vital factor in enduring. And then it skips down. There's a lot of blank space. And it says competent inspection alone is the purpose of this volume. There's spaces in between, you see. So it's, it's almost a, a reversal of reversed writing. I, I suppose you can say that's an adaptation. But traditionally, when you hear an adaptation, you think the intent of what was originally presented is being uh, re uh, not, not even reworked, well, adapted. <laughs> Radcatch... This, this, this is not doing that. Radcatch, you know, specifically uses images from... No, the no, no. no. The, all, uh, the, the original binding of Ratcatching had zero images in it. That's all, I guess I was curious. What's the history of the original Ratcatching? Uh, it's a book uh, I know that was published in England. I think I have the original publishing date here, uh, 1896. So it's over 100 years old. Uh, I don't know, because when, I, when I, I found the binding on Hollywood Boulevard in like 1983, and I, I never read the original book. There, th that book has more of the text... Uh, that was from the original binding than a lot of my books do. Some of the books are just completely original. Uh, my, my my writing with no other with no other text in it. Rat catching uses some, but even then, it, it's it's quite differentiated. Like here's a page that that's the um, sheer amount of text that was originally two pages like this, and then it's completely gone. So there are portions that are there, and then there are portions that are, are reworked and rewritten. Different words are put into it. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite altered. In the movie, what is it? There is some great screaming. <laughs> yes. Did you demonstrate that scream? There's an amazing scream. I, 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 there is an amazing scream, and that scream is performed by Feruza Balk. And, uh, a Canadian. That's right. In fact, she 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 lived uh, in Vancouver specifically for quite a long time. Uh, but uh, I, I knew Feruza before uh, bef before I started shooting. What is it? And uh, I needed somebody to to do a particular voice for one of the snails. And I asked her if she would do it. And she said she would. I, I, she was uh, shooting the craft at the time, but she came over to my my house where we recorded it. And uh, initially, I wanted I wanted her to do more of a a hiss or a, a kind of a, a different kind of sound. She suggested that uh, it be a scream, and I said, "Okay, that sounds good." And then she did these. We didn't do many takes; just a couple of takes, and she did these great uh, screams. And then 
Uh, that was still when it was a short film, and then I expanded it into a, a feature, and I ended up using a lot, a lot of the uh, the screaming and and even some of the off-camera uh, uh, vocality that was done. And she does dialogue as well, well in the film, but uh, it's in the film a lot, and it, it it's used to a good effect. She did a great job. So you're showing the film, you're doing your slideshow, but afterwards you also do a giant question and answer period. That's right, and that that part is I I'm. T- told a by a lot of people a lot of people consider that the most important part and i as i'm touring around with it i can see that it it really is uh and that's and that's part of the this vaudeville element that i think you know vaudeville was the most it was at the entertainment industry in the 1800s and the first part of the uh, uh, the 20th century, and then it's really uh, died away by the end of the 20th century. But there is a value to it this this live interactive element uh, that people people get a lot from it, and this uh, having the questions answer the question and answer sessions, particularly with what is it, are just. Uh, it's it's very important for that film because the 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 film is a you know the title is a question and then uh, the the images and the topics and the juxtapositions of these the juxtaposition of these taboo elements causes genuine questions from people and to not let the people uh, uh, voice their questions or have the opportunity to that would I think leave with a certain amount of frustration which you can you can argue well it's okay for to be for people to be frustrated but I really do find that people get a, a lot from it and I uh, uh, it's valuable. What do you think about the questions, Crispin, Hellion Glover? Because years ago, you're on the David Letterman show, show, and I'm pretty sure that people probably ask about you being on the David Letterman show. Show, yes. <laughs> what do you feel about being on the David Letterman show? Your response to that is, was that me on the David Letterman show? Well, what what my 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 response generally has been for the the this the the appearance that's so very well known is that I I don't confirm or deny whether that was uh, me on the show or or uh, whether that was me on the show. You want people to do their own research and determine for themselves. Like look at this face right there. <laughs> that's right. Look at the Crispin Hellion Glover face. Right. Then go to YouTube and check out the David Letterman clip. They can do that. And yeah. see if it's the same person. But but there's you know how many people have done that? Crispin Hellion Glover? Like over a million. One million one hundred and thirty-five thousand people have done that. That's great. That is pretty interactive for question and answer period, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good thing, I must say. Now even now whether that was me or not, like I say, I won't confirm or deny. But but the the idea that that people are wondering if that's me and then uh, or wondering what happened on that particular show and then doing uh, further research and going to crispinglover.com and finding out about about these shows that I perform is a very a very good thing and and it 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 goes to show that when there is question about something when there is not necessarily an answer because no matter how you look at that show it is not exactly a hundred percent certain what, what it is that's happened there and uh, and I and and that's something I'm very interested I, I in I like when people are able to question things and think about things and I think that's important Crispin Hellion Glover is it true that you bought a painting of your nose from a fan <laughs> as a matter of fact that is true and uh, <laughs> I, I I you know I, I very rarely uh, buy modern paintings 
And um, I even more rarely, I don't like having images of myself up or around uh, in general. But this particular painting that she she did was really it really was very good. It was just it was just of my nose, and she did a very good job. And uh, she came to I, I had it was in Toronto, and I. Uh, but uh, I think it was two years previous to the the show where she actually presented it to me to purchase. She there, she had a show that had a lot of paintings, not of just of my nose, but there were a lot of different paintings, and some of the paintings were of me. And I I had said to her I particularly like the one the the, the one of, that was just of the nose. And so when she, these couple of years later she came came to the show and said that she'd uh, saved this painting for me because I had said I was interested in it and uh, I, I she wanted to know if I wanted to buy it and I I, I said well I've got a contemplated I don't generally buy or or modern uh, paintings in general and uh, especially things of myself but uh, I did think about it and I thought well it's a good painting and I should su- support this and, and and I liked it so uh, I you have a painting of your nose I do indeed you bought a painting of your nose and you're encouraging people to bring their artwork to the shows and then you will buy their artwork I'm definitely not not encouraging that in fact uh, I you know I fly uh, to in and out of these uh, uh, cities and of course now with uh, weight restrictions I, I and I, I often am traveling with the film and 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 things for the show so I I don't want to have a lot of stuff to carry with me so I'm, I'm not encouraging people to bring things for me to buy to the show it's interesting you say you're carrying the film there's only one copy of the film isn't there you're like Stanley Kubrick you're keeping it close to you yeah I uh, I'm very careful about the film for a lot of different reasons one is one is piracy uh, and the way that I'm recouping and I'm specific to say the word recouping as opposed to profiting because uh, the the films for me they were relatively inexpensive for what a 35 millimeter film uh, costs. Uh, what does it cost me somewhere between between 150 and 200 thousand dollars to make? Which, for a 35 millimeter film, is not not that much. But for me, it's a lot of money, and I do need to recoup that. But the way that I'm going to recoup that is by by touring with the the slideshow and and selling the books. I generally do a um, a 50-50 split on the box office uh, with what the, the venue normally charges for their box office. Uh, and then for what I charge over for performing the slideshow and for my books, I keep, I keep that, that money. So that's really where the, the, the money, the, the uh, recoupment of, the, of my investment will, will come from. Uh, I'm, I haven't yet recouped on e- either of the films. I'm getting closer on what is it but even then when when I say recoup it's not on the box office it's not it's not actually on the film itself it's on me performing the shows and selling the books but that's okay it's the film is enabling me uh, to to do it that way and and that's fine I just want to be able to recoup so I can continue to do uh, other uh, make make more of my own films and really the the thing that enables me to continue doing that is by acting in other people's movies so that's still a very important part of uh, what I do. Crispin Hellion Glover, what can you tell me about this gentleman right here from this band SWAT? Adam Parfree. Well, uh, Adam's in Everything is Fine. Well, this isn't him. That's not Adam, though. That's one of his... Uh, He's in this band, though. Yes, I think this is a band that he... 
he does the lyrics for Adam Parfrey from the movie What Is It? Well, he's he's in What Is It? He plays a very important character in it, and uh, I've known Adam since the late '80s, and uh, uh, he uh, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he had a, a good influence on on What Is It as well. He's a very interesting character, like the name Adam Parfrey. People may not know it right off the bat, right. but he is the gentleman behind Feral House Publishing. He's basically responsible for some of the resurgence of death metal because he put out the book Lords of Chaos. I, I, so when you're going on tour showing your films and stuff, you're helping spread the word of death metal, Chris Benelli and Glover. Well, well, maybe so. I mean, I... I uh uh, I'm more familiar. I know. I know about that book, uh, but I know more. Uh, uh, Apocalypse Culture uh, is uh, another one of his books, and uh, Apocalypse Culture Two. I have an article in which has uh, something about subtext in in what is it, and he's he's published a lot of different uh, uh, a lot of different uh, kind of uh, material in, in, in Feral House and it, it's very uh, interesting and intelligent material and I, I recommend people to, to look at it. Well it's neat that Feruza Bach kind of makes an appearance, yeah. that our Adam Parfrey makes an appearance, anybody else in what is it that's behind the scenes we may not notice because there's some influential characters uh, As far as people appearing in the film those are the, the those people. Well, I, I'm in the film. Um, I can't I can't think of other people that right off the offhand that might have that kind of topical uh, element that you're speaking of in it. And everything is fine, uh, which is the sequel. Uh, my father, who's an actor, is in it, and then Margit Karstensen, who's one of the uh, was one of uh, is one of uh, Fassbender's main actresses. She played uh, Petra von Kant in Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Uh, she was in uh, Martha. Uh, she was in Chinese Roulette. One of one of his main actresses, and she plays a very important part in uh, in Everything Is Fine. And she was great to work with. Crispin Hellion Glover. I had sex with E. T. <laughs> well, did you like it? I had sex with E.T. <laughs> did, was it good? What am I alluding to? Entertainment tonight? <laughs> I don't know. No, you have a connection. I had sex with E.T., Crispin, Helly, and Glover. Uh, Steven Spielberg? No, the <laughs> producer. The producer of your CD was... Uh, who produced your CD? Uh, uh, well, it was produced by Barnes & Barnes. Barnes & Barnes, whose first EP was called... Oh, is that... I had sex with E.T.? I didn't even... Yes. Oh, I, I was totally lost. That's so great to hear you say that I had sex with E.T. <laughs> How long have you known Drew Barrymore? Uh, well, I, I actually met... It, it was interesting. I was sitting in a restaurant uh, when I... God, it was a long time ago... And I had just published Rat Catching, so it was 1988, and she was in, a rest in the restaurant with her mother. She was only like 13 or 14, and she had just published a book, I think it's called Little Girl Lost. Exactly, yes. Right? And, her and her mom, Jade. Right, right, right. And they were in this restaurant together, and I, uh, I had never met them before, but they walked by, and uh, we said hello, and... Uh, uh, then years later, she ended up being the producer of, uh, of uh, the, the Charlie's Angels films that I, I was in. So, But I, I, I like her a lot. She's a very nice person. But speaking of having sex with E.T., Barnes & Barnes, who helped you, who helped produce your CD right here, right, they're amazing. They're the guys behind Fish Heads, the video Fish Heads. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they, they approached me uh, to... Perform a, to perform a song. I didn't really know 
what they wanted altogether. Uh, I had known some of their their work, and I, I liked it. And I thought, oh, well, this would be enjoyable. And then uh, we recorded. I think first we recorded some of my book readings, actually, which there are book readings on this as well as as original songs. Uh, it's called "The Big Problems." It's not equal to solution. The solution equals let it be. And there's a a concept that there are, there are all of the entities in it have something in common, and people can figure out what the big problem is. Uh, it was before the internet was around, and so there was a telephone number which. Now his well, it's still on there. Although I should have them take it off because the telephone no, number is no longer uh, working. But now there is uh, my my website, crispinglover.com. Uh, but because it was before website, it was a way to get people to know about the the books. But I but I said they can call and leave uh, what the uh, the solution is to the big problem, and and people did, and they they they. They figured out what what it was. It isn't terribly complicated, and uh, uh, but it was. Uh, I, I I didn't start out to to knowing that it would be a record. I I recorded uh, some book readings. I recorded uh, some original songs, and then they said to me that they wanted to make it into a record. And then I started realizing I should really have a concept behind it. And then I wanted to get rid of some of the things that we'd recorded so it could fit into this certain kind of concept. And one of the producers kind of didn't like that. <laughs> they, they wanted to use everything. But I, I still think it was good that we got rid of some of What's well, amazing to get Barnes and Barnes. I mean, the fish heads, guys. Like, I think you were so lucky, Crispin. You got the fish head. Like, the, what can you say about the video fish heads? I like it. I think it's a very good video. And I, uh, and I, and I like those guys. They were, they were really uh, good, good people to work with. And I, uh, I look back on it fondly. What music are you into now, Crispin, Haley, and Glover? Like, there hasn't been a CD from you in how many years? 1988. And that's 20 years. Oh, so, yeah, get to it. What's going on? I actually did uh, with one of the two uh, Barneses. There's Art and Artie Barnes, and uh, I think it's Artie Barnes is the is the name of the, the fellow that I, I did uh, uh, produce. We're very... We, we, some, we, we, you did we, something for Willard, right? Well, we did that as well, but even before that, we have basically have a whole album's worth of, of stuff. I need to maybe record one more thing, and I need to fix some of the tracks. And I've been so busy with the films, and, and he has a family, and w we just haven't gotten around to uh, uh, completing it. And we, we should. I, any cover songs? Can you give us any hints what might be on it? Um, there are some cover songs on it, but some of them... Uh, some of them are. It, it would be called the the big love recordings, and uh, I, I. It's the same. It's a similar situation where there might be some songs. I don't know which ones I'm going to keep on or, or leave off. I've got to get back into that project at that point. But uh, I, I, I can't sing one for us right now. I'm not. I'm not a good uh, acapella uh, uh, singer. I. I. I, I uh, it's something you know. People have said I should do songs on the uh, on the show, and I've I've contemplated it because there is something about when when people hear that it's music, it has this other kind of marketability or something. But I really don't consider myself a, a, a singer. Uh, 
Although my very first uh, professional job when I was 14 years old, uh, I was in The Sound of Music and I, uh, at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and Florence Henderson played Maria and she still looked like Carol Brady from the, the Brady Bunch at the time. It was 1978 uh, when I did that. So uh, I sang all those songs, but I, I, I don't consider myself a, a singer and it's something that, especially live, would make me nervous. I'm not nervous when I go and I perform my, my show because... Uh, as a performer, that's something I'm I'm quite uh, ready and prepared for. But singing, I know I could go off key, and and it's in a recording studio. You know, you can. There are ways to fix that. Well, and and I mean, like this this record was made before you. Uh, you know, there's these modern things where they can even put you in tune. All of the the this was recorded uh, so that uh, I am singing it in tune. But I would go in and punch in, you know, you go into a certain part, part if I went off and I'd, I'd fix it, whereas live I would feel uncomfortable uh, possibly doing that. I know if I really rehearsed it I could, so, but it would just it would, it would, the, the show really works quite well as the as the, as the big slideshow uh, and I've been doing it for so long and I, actually there's a second slideshow that I'm going to start performing before the Everything is Fine when I start uh, showing both of the films uh, at the same time. Christmas Helen Winding up here, is there any music you think that might fit in with the slideshow? What music are you digging right now? Well, I, uh, for, for the most part, I, I listen to uh, Beethoven, post-Beethoven romantic era uh, music. I, I, Beethoven's generally my favorite, and I, I listen to a lot of it, but I, I listen to a, a lot of different things. Uh, but that's... That really is is my favorite, and uh, uh, there certainly is music in both. What is it, and everything is fine. Um, uh, and any it, popular artists, you know, pop rock, any punk rock artists, or people that come to the gigs and check you out. Um, not not throw their CDs like Crispin. You mean that come to my show? Yeah. Um, I have had some people come to the show that were in, in well-known uh, bands, but but I I haven't had anybody throwing throwing the CDs. But but uh, uh, what I I I tend toward listening to a much much older music. I mean, I'm aware of uh, a popular um, a music and, and modern uh, contemporary music, and sometimes I'll, I'll listen to that. But for the most part, I really do listen to a lot uh, of much older music. However, Crispin, Helen, Glover, you do love cars, don't you? <laughs> well, I, I have a mixed feeling about cars. In certain ways, I, I really hate cars, and I don't like driving. I live in Los Angeles, where well, and I also own property in the Czech Republic, uh, which I... I, I, my property's not too far outside of Prague, and I actually prefer taking public transportation. I, I don't like driving that much. But in Los Angeles, I do, and, I, and when I'm in Prague, I, I take public transportation. Or I'm, when I'm almost anywhere else, unless somebody's driving me, I take uh, public transportation. But much, much like... I do, I do have a lot of cars. In yeah, like much like rat catching, you're helping preserve a generation, aren't you, with your car collection. Well, what are some of the cool cars going, like the Jaguar? I do have a 1950. 53 XK120 Jaguar, which is really a beautiful car. I think it's the most beautiful uh, pr production uh, uh, sports car, I, 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 and, and it's quite quite pretty. And so is I also have a very pretty uh, 1954 uh, Bentley uh, R-type uh, Park Ward uh, uh, drophead coupe. So it's uh, it's a rare car and also has quite quite beautiful lines and there's other ones i have too many cars i i 
I didn't, I don't mean to have a, a collection. I don't think of myself as a car collector. I kind of don't like the idea of it, but I, I do have these, these cars, and, and, and they're pretty. <laughs> well, I was thinking it may come in handy, Crispin, Haley, and Glover. For instance, you're not too comfortable with the talk show format, you know, going way back to Letterman, are you? Well, you don't really like the talk show format. I, I don't mind. I, I actually, in certain ways, I prefer the talk show uh, format to print because... Well, you know, a, a creative editor can take something and, and, and make it out of context, uh, but it's more difficult in a way to take things out of context. If I, can, if I write things, I, I can quite clearly put stuff together, and I, I may, you know, do something that's more put together in terms of publishing that's specifically writing something out as opposed to these books are more created uh, 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 books that are art pieces. Uh, but uh, in certain ways, you, you're almost less um, misrepresented, unless you're purposefully misrepresenting yourself, or you can, you can say things that are, are wrong, but in certain ways, you're, you're more clearly represented by these, these, these talks, talk kind of shows. Like it, for what is it? How many talk shows would have you on for that? Like, I read something where not all the talk shows would have you on, like Conan had you on, but could you explore traditional media for movies like that? Well, uh... Probably not. You know, the, those those kind of late night uh, big big uh, audience talk shows are relying uh, as well on the corporately funded and distributed films because that helps bring viewership into their their shows. So if something that's really not of that kind of uh, hugely distributed all at the same uh, time corporate funding corporate I'm putting this wrong but films that are not corporately funded and distributed in in that traditional sense uh, are less likely to be represented on, on those shows, especially at this point in time. Because I was thinking you have an in. Jay Leno has an incredible car collection. You have cars. <laughs> I suppose it's something. I was on uh, the, the, the Jay Leno show, uh, The Tonight Show, with Jay Leno. I was also on it with Johnny Carson. In fact, I, I think I just published this book, Oak Mott, and... Uh, I remember he picked up the book, he, he kind of went through it like this, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, this looks, what did he say? He said, ladies and gentlemen, this looks like the inside of Charles Manson's notebook. Or diary or something. Baboom. <laughs> but you've covered a Charles Manson song, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. It's on this, and I actually used the same song in uh, in uh, uh, everything is, I mean, in, in what is it? Um, is that Jay Leno that said that? Jay Leno said, <laughs> something to the effect of, ladies and gentlemen, this looks like the inside of Charles Manson's uh, workbook. Now, I, 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 I beg to differ. I don't think that does look like the inside. I, and, I, you know, I, he didn't make books like that. <laughs> oh, Johnny Carson, though. That's incredible to be on Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was on that. Uh, I was on it with, twice with him, and it was a very interesting experience. I, uh, uh, so he had you back. He had you back. Yeah, yeah. I, I went on to right, right in a row, uh, twice in a row. Uh, uh, it was for River's Edge, and uh, it was in the same year. In fact, that the the, the show, or within a month, within weeks, in fact, of the show that I don't confirm or deny whether I was on David Letterman show. So yeah, I was on it uh, uh, a couple of times. He he was, you know, it was a very different kind of interviewing style that Johnny Carson had. Uh, than a lot of uh, 
uh, modern interviewers, which I, I really quite liked. I mean, he he enjoyed eccentricity and uh, and would make that look good, which is not is not always a, a current trend in in, uh, in in interviewing styles. Uh, but I, I yeah, I've been on with the, most of the 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 big uh, uh, interviewing. Uh, elements and uh, some of them are better interviewers uh, than others. But I like I actually think um, Howard Stern is a very good interviewer because what he tends toward doing is he he likes to pull the um, he likes to get get away from the persona. Most people have a, a persona that is a. You know, uh, they, they may on off switch. Well, it may or may not. You know, it's like there are people that that I don't think differentiate between what their persona is and what they uh, what they are as a person, which I don't think is terribly healthy. I think it's healthier to understand there's a differentiation between what one is in the media and what is what one is in their own personal life. I'm I'm quite clear on it, uh, but but uh, for me, that's why being interviewed with Howard Stern is good because he likes to, to, to get rid of that uh, persona in a way or get underneath it because there's usually some kind of falsity. For me, I don't mind because I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions. And so if somebody's kind of trying to dig into the truth of something, I actually, I actually pr prefer that. But I mean, I, I, I don't mind when, when it goes the other way as well. I mean, it, it, that's why I, I I think it's good to look at it separately because from your own self because uh, it is a business element you know the, the there there's when when you're in a, in the entertainment industry you know I'm I'm born with the my name given to me at birth was Crispin Hellion Glover I used uh, Crispin Glover as my my acting name when I got an agent when I was 13 or when I I had to join SAG when I was 13, and I thought Crispin Hellion Glover was too too long. I'd always use my whole name for writing and for uh, for drawing. That's why it made sense to continue on uh, with with my books. I I had made the books not to to publish. These were just things I made on on my own. So it was it was how I'd used my my how I'd always signed my my uh, my artwork or writing was my whole name. Uh, that's why I use it for. It's a continuation of what I've always done when I write the the movies or directing. It seems to make sense to to use that. What about your name being used, Crispin Hellion Glover? Like, for instance, I heard there's a religion now on the internet called Gloverism. Well, well, those things, of course, are are fine. And if people put my name on a band or something or in a song or something like that, it's it's good. It's good advertisement. Uh, but but I, I think, as I was starting to say, I feel it's good to separate that where it's like yes I w was born or and then given that name and you kind of identify yourself with with your name but ultimately it's a separation from what what you are in your day-to-day -day life as opposed to you may have influence on what this this persona is and you can kind of uh, suggest things for people to say or you, you, you talk to a reporter and you say things but of course it's going to be their interpretation of, of what you say uh, or even if how something's edited uh, this could be edited in such a way that it would just be like a few sentences here and there and likely it is we've been talking for a long time and obviously they can't use all of this on a, on a show but uh, 
you can have influence on these things, but you can't control it, really. Well, thank you so much for your time, Crispin, Haley, and Glover. I really appreciate it. There is one last thing I want to ask you, though. Is it true you sleep in a coffin filled with tar? No, <laughs> that's absolutely not true. I haven't even heard that one before. A coffin filled with tar. Yes. I would die. <laughs> I mean, you would die if you slept in a coffin filled with tar. Because you, your, your skin would, you would, uh, you breathe through your skin. You would, you, you the toxins would kill you. <laughs> I don't I don't own a coffin either, so but a coffin even with tar, that's even more did you really read that somewhere? Apparently I asked you that. You asked me that apparently I asked you that in nineteen ninety five. Oh really? And what did I react how did I react then? I have no idea because I don't think I actually did ask that. So the question was invented and the answer was invented. <laughs> For, so I was part of the Crispin Helly and Glover Mystique. You go to Wikipedia and me and you are there. Really? Yes. Okay. About how I asked you if you slept in a coffin filled with tar. What does it say on Wikipedia that I answered? You don't know? There's no conclusion for it, just like everything else. <laughs> Well, that, that, and that's... Thank you for answering it, finally. You've set the record straight. Thank you for asking it so the record could be set straight. Well, Crispin and Helen Glover, why should people care about the big slideshow? Why should people care about what is it? Well, uh, I, I mean... I don't know. Well, I, I can a answer it in a lot of different ways, but but I care care about it because I I do think that the particularly with what is it I do think that uh, there are not questions being asked in a lot of corporately funded and distributed media at this point in time, and it's important to get into some genuine questions and into territory in general, not just with what is it. Everything is fine goes into territory that is not normally dealt with or isn't dealt with in corporately funded and distributed film and uh, and and territory where people can really think and really ask questions is an important thing to have happen and that's that's what I'm uh, aspiring to do. Well, thanks so much for your time Crispin Helly and Glover. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doodaloot do doot doot. I hope I got that right. Tip from me and get ready for the big parade. It's the place to be every night's a happy hollow day. People jumping around, everybody.